change the areas in us that need to be changed. Where we need encouragement this morning, you would encourage us. Where we need hope, we need, you would give us hope. And all of it, every single ounce of it, would be to your glory and your glory alone, oh God. Please help your servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all here today. It's good to see home folks, and it's good to see uh, guests that are visiting uh, with us as well. We're talking about responding to the goodness of God this morning from Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Uh, we're continuing our journey uh, through the gospel of Matthew. Uh, last week, Anthony preached from verses 7 through 11 of Matthew chapter 7, and today uh, we're going to be focusing on what is known as the golden rule from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Before we get into it, before I read the text and we, we begin to uh, unpack it, I'd like to ask you, have you ever done something to someone else? You've done something good. Maybe you've extended a favor because you wanted something in return. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. But have you ever done that? Not now, of course, in your younger years, maybe. Maybe we've done something, you know, uh, kind of with, uh, I'll, if I scratch their back, maybe they'll scratch my back in return. Yeah. Well, I have to make a confession this morning, you guys. Um, well, when I was growing up in, um, in the southern region of the United States, we used to have sleepovers quite a bit. Um, in our elementary years. And these are some pictures of me and my buddies uh, coming over and spending the night at my house. Uh, we would have, sometimes it may just be one friend that would sleep over. Sometimes maybe it was, it was a whole gang of guys that would come over and we'd stay up all night and shoot pool and play German Spotlight and cook hot dogs and marshmallows. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed their company, so I wanted to have them over. They were my, they were my buds. You know, but if I really do some self-introspection, maybe I would have them over to my house. Because why? Because I hope they would invite me over to their house. Because maybe they got snacks and chocolate at their house that I don't have, you know. And I grew up out in the, in the rural area, the country. Maybe you can see that from the, the picture there at the top. And a lot of my friends lived in the city. And so, you know, we would play neighborhood football, neighborhood basketball together where I didn't really get that where I, where I lived. And so, yeah, maybe, just maybe, I'd want to have them over because I would, I would hope Stevie or Scott or Harrison would have me over to their house at some point. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you guys did sleepovers or not, and maybe you kind of had the, maybe not the best um, um, initiative in that, but maybe just maybe we've all, if we're honest with ourselves, we've, we've done something because, yeah, um, good to somebody because we hope to get something um, good in return from them. With Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, um, as I mentioned previously, he gave us what is known as the golden rule, and it does not teach us to do good to others solely because we want to get something good from them in return. And if there's a big idea that I want to, with the Lord's help, try and convey today from this text, it is that, brothers and sisters, we do good to others because God is so good to us. And it is characteristic of us as kingdom citizens. We're going to look a little bit into the text uh, from verses 7-11 of Matthew 7 that Anthony shared with us and taught from last Sunday to help us see yet again how good our God truly is. And then as, as Anthony also reminded us last Sunday, really all of the Sermon on the Mount, and this of course is still part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, yeah, it it portrays or describes what a kingdom citizen looks like. Yeah. It describes or portrays what a kingdom citizen look like, looks like. And one of the characteristics of a kingdom citizen, Matthew 5, 16, is we, we want our light to shine before others. Jesus' light in us to shine before others 
as we do good works so that they would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Without further ado, let me read our text from Matthew 7, verse 12. Hang on to your seats. It's a long one. Jesus said, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In keeping with this text, of course, in our grand idea or dominating theme from this text, I'd like to draw out three important points. And those are, number one, the golden rule is very important. We're going to see why the golden rule is so important. Secondly, we're going to see that the golden rule is a positive and proactive action. And then thirdly, we're going to see the golden rule is a natural response to the goodness of God and characteristic of a kingdom citizen. Well, let's look at the first major point that we want to draw from this text, and that is that the golden rule is very important. Well, dear friends, it is very important because Jesus said it. Amen? It's very important because Jesus said it. And what Jesus says is very important, and we better listen to what Jesus says and then therefore do, respond positively to what he says. Let's hear what Paul wrote about Jesus to the Colossians in chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 of that epistle. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about the Lord Jesus. He said, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. What does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus is fully God, Jesus is fully man. The firstborn of all creation. Jesus, as God, was not created. He's always been. He's the beginning and the end, alpha and the omega. He is creator God. He is eternal. Verse 16, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So here in verse 16, we see Paul is reiterating the fact that Jesus is God. He is our creator. All things in the universe were made by him. He spoke them into being. Everything is under his sovereign rule. There is no ruling authority that is not there that he is not sovereign over. And everything that was created is through him and it's for him. It's for his glory. And he is worthy of all the glory. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Again, he's eternal. He's always been. And then the second part of verse 17, in him all things hold together. Jesus is sustainer God. He sustains everything. If Jesus was to take his hands off, if he was to back away and let us be, man, wouldn't we be in a mess? Because he's sustaining it. He's holding it all together. This building is standing because Jesus is ruling and reigning and maintaining it, standing up and not falling. Verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We are his bride. We are the body of Christ. He is our head. And we exist, brothers and sisters, as his bride, as his body, to bring him glory. We exist so that the spotlight be on Jesus, the head of the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. We know perfect Jesus left the right hand of the Father, came to this earth, took on flesh, born of a virgin, was tempted, the Bible says, in every way that we are, but yet Jesus never sinned. And sinless Jesus 
willingly went to an old rugged cross where he died, where he shed his perfect, innocent blood so that it, by faith in Jesus, we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. Amen? The grave couldn't keep Jesus down. He died on the cross, was buried, but on the third day, he rose in power. Amen? Because Jesus is risen, we will raise from the dead. And when Jesus comes back, all that are in Christ Jesus will be given a new, perfect, glorified body. He will inaugurate and set up the new heaven and the earth. And we will reign with him in glory forever. Amen? Is that good news for you this morning? Is that good news with all the coronavirus going around? For me, that's great news. This is only temporary. But we better make sure that we are in Christ Jesus. We better know we know this King of glory. And we know him personally. Not just know about him, but I mean know him. Know him as your cornerstone. Know him that when the storms come and the winds rouse up, that he's holding your hand, that he's seeing you through because he's a good God. Amen? This is this king of glory. And he is first place. He is first place. That in all things he might be preeminent. He might be your Savior this morning, but is He your Lord? Is He preeminent in your life? Is He first place? Is He sitting and ruling and reigning on the throne of your life? Verse 19, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross as I just mentioned glorious Jesus will come back in all of his glory and he will restore he will reconcile all things to himself amen he will make everything new everything will be restored to him there will be a new heaven and a new earth and guess what because Jesus died on that cross and rose again he can reconcile you if you are separated from God because of your sins. He can reconcile you to God through the blood of his cross if you'll turn from your sins today and put your faith in him. We can have peace with God because Jesus died and rose again. Do you have peace with God this morning? Friends, the golden rule is very important because Jesus said it. And we better take what Jesus says important. And he even said, he gave us, gave us some wise words in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Dear brothers and sisters, are you taking Jesus' word serious this morning? Are you taking time every day to get alone with the Lord, to open up the good book, and to listen what he has to say, and then to plead with him, Lord, help me, help me apply this word in my life. It is absolutely essential that we be doing that as citizens of the kingdom. Secondly, the golden rule is very important because Jesus said that the golden rule is the very essence of the comprehensive message of the Old Testament. We go back to our text this morning in verse 12. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What does Jesus mean when he says this is the law and the prophets? Well, before I help us understand what that means, if we don't know already, Jesus didn't just say it in Matthew 7, 12. He also said it in Matthew 5, 17. In Matthew 5, 17, previously, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. We need to understand Beloved, that Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience. 
in this Sermon on the Mount. And they would absolutely understand what Jesus meant when he said, for this is the law and the prophets. They would understand that what Jesus meant was the entire Hebrew Scriptures, or what we would refer to in our Bible as the Old Testament. As we continue to read through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, verses that I think all of us know already, again, he used the term law and the prophets. To do what? To drive his point home that the Old Testament could be summed up in the first and second great commandments. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Brothers and sisters, simply put, the Christian life is about loving God and loving others. It's about loving God and loving others. And the golden rule explicitly addresses the area of loving others. And it is the great Christian ethic. Just as much as we value being loved and good being done to us, I don't think anybody enjoys being unloved. No one enjoys having harm done to them. We just equally value loving others and doing good to them. It is who we are. It, it defines us as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And Jesus even took it a step further in John 13, verses 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's very important. The golden rule is very important because Jesus said it, and second, because it is the comprehensive message. It sums up what is written in the Old Testament. Secondly, I want us to see that the golden rule is a positive and proactive action. Jesus said there in our text, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This verb do, if we examine it, if we look at the Greek grammar, it's a command. And it's continuous. So a very rough but literal translation of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew seven twelve is this. I command you, to continue doing to others whatever you wish that others would continue doing to you. It's not an option. It's a command. It's, a, it's an imperative. And it's continuous. The golden rule is a positive action commanded by Christ to us, his followers. Throughout history, there have been those who have formed the negative of Christ's positive action, sometimes referred to as the silver rule. And one such, such example is what Confucius, the ancient Chinese philosopher, said when he said, do not impose on others what you do not wish for yourself. Not that this is a bad or wrong saying by any means. It just negates taking proactive steps to encourage and bless others. In order to fulfill the silver rule, one could isolate themselves in seclusion to avoid hurting others or being hurt by others. The problem is one takes him or herself out of the picture to be a blessing to others, to be salt and light for God's glory. 
You see, dear friends, Jesus' golden rule and the gospel itself does not disengage from society and culture. Oh no, the golden rule and the gospel absolutely call us to engage society, to engage culture with love and with truth. And we do it humbly. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do it proactively. Friends, we need to get in the game. If we're not, God did not save us and call us to sit on the bench, to sit on the sidelines. We need to be positively and proactively engaging our families, our communities, our culture with the gospel and with this golden rule. Let me give an example, hopefully to make something that may seem a bit abstract, hopefully become more concrete, how some friends of ours, some brothers and sisters that we know were proactive in helping us during the floods, the beginning of this year, 2020. There on the screen is a picture of our home. Um, that was taken kind of early afternoon, January 1st. Uh, the waters got a little bit higher as the day went on, almost up to my knee on our first floor of our home. And, um, you know, I, I thought we were going to be okay, but some things happened that made me realize, uh, I think we need to get out of here. I think we need to evacuate. Let me explain what, that, what happened. Well, Around the middle of the day, obviously, the, the waters were in the home. Our, our refrigerator and our kitchen began to be, you know, submerged a bit. And so I thought, man, I need to get this refrigerator up on blocks, you know. Well, let me just tell you, even though a refrigerator might be heavy, they float, okay. <laughs> so you can imagine what happened when I put that refrigerator on wooden blocks. It floated off those blocks and tumbled over right in the middle of our kitchen, <laughs> One door flew off, and, and, and the food that was in the refrigerator just emptied into the dirty flood water. And I'm thinking, oh, man, there goes some of our food supply that we were, we were kind of relying on. We had some cooked food in there. So we lost the food. And then we still had, well, I cut off the, the breaker box on the first floor. Uh, but on the second floor, there's another breaker box that powers the second and third floor of our house. And so I, I left that on. And, you know, we're doing pretty good. We, um, as evening rolled around and we all went up to the third floor in our study and playroom and made pallets and everything. We all, uh, my wife and our two kids were going to sleep up there for the night. And we were comfortably cool until about 1130 uh, on, on, the, on January 1st when all the electricity was shut down, which was a good call because our whole complex was flooded at that point. could have been dangerous if they kept the electricity on. And um, so I didn't sleep much that night, uh, January the 1st, just praying like, okay, Lord, um, what, just asking for wisdom. What do we need to do? And uh, now we've got electricity out. We've got less food to rely on. Obviously, water, drinking water is going to run out at some point. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to rain again, if we're going to get more Kitiman, you know, from Bogor or not. More water is going to be sent from Bogor. This could get even worse. And so I woke up the next morning on January 2nd, gathered up my wife and children. I said, we need to, we need to get together uh, right here, hold hands and pray. And uh, really ask God to deliver us from this and get us out of, of our house. Um, you know, in the, as you kind of come into our complex where the security guard post was, I mean, it was up to almost my chest already. And so, you know, I mean, that would have been, it's high already for me, but especially for my wife and children, and especially getting our little girl out. And that's going to be, it's going to be tricky. So we just began to pray and, um, it was just said, Lord, just help us. Well, um, Two different friends of ours um, offered us to come and, and stay in their homes. And we end up staying in one of our friends' homes uh, that had not been affected by the flood. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then another friend of my wife, she was actually in the United States at that time, 
she got, uh, you know, started contacting people she knew that live in our area, and she contacted her aunt and uncle. Well, um, the, the, her uncle ended up sending uh, three gentlemen with a push cart. In Indonesia, you'd say grobak. Send a grobak, send a push cart to our house. And so, man, praise the Lord, uh, around 12, 1 o'clock on January 2nd, uh, my wife and me and our two kids and our few bags were able to hop on the push cart. And these three very kind men pushed us out of our complex through the floodwaters, uh, getting us to the main road where it was dry. And then that, that, that uncle uh, of my wife's friend picked us up. And then ultimately, we got to our friend's house who opened their home for us uh, for an entire week allowed us to stay there uh, while the, the waters receded and we were able to get things cleaned up in our home. Will we ever forget those acts of kindness? Man, I, we better not. Positive, proactive, putting the golden rule into practice. The uncle, the oma, the tanta that, that, that sent the people with the push cart who made you know, rice and fried eggs for us, our dear friends who had us in their home for a week to take care of us, to feed us so we could bathe and be safe from the floodwaters. Those dear brothers and sisters got in the game. They didn't sit on the sidelines. And there are so many of you, as I, I, I know many of you across this room, I look at some of you, and I know so many of you are in the game. Praise the Lord. You are in the game, meaning you are positively and proactively in your families, in your workplaces, in the schools where you serve, being the salt and light of Jesus. Praise God for that. But if we're not, if some of you are still kind of sitting on the sidelines, man, get in the game. Not only will they be blessed, but you will grow spiritually. You'll grow spiritually, and God will be glorified. The golden rule is very important. The golden rule is a positive and proactive action that we need to be taking as citizens of the kingdom. But lastly, it's a natural response to the goodness of God. The golden rule, brothers and sisters, is a natural response to the goodness of God and characteristic of a kingdom citizen. Here in our text, that very first word in Matthew 7, 12, so, is a conjunction in the King James, King James Version. Um, that word in English, is that conjunction is translated, therefore. It's a conjunction. It's a connector. Dear friends, verse 12 of Matthew 7 is absolutely connected to the verses before it. Verses 7 and 11 that Anthony preached from last week. Let's see how it's connected. I'm going to read for us again verses 7 through 11 of Matthew 7. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, pay attention to this last part, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. In this text, Jesus is teaching us that we as humans are responsible to seek and inquire of our Heavenly Father. Absolutely. But do note the true essence of the text, verses 7 through 11 here on the screen is that we have a good heavenly Father who longs to give good gifts 
to those who ask of him, to those who seek him with their lives. And why is this so? It's because our God is good. Amen? He's good. His goodness is one of his attributes, one of his characteristics. And Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 is a focus on the goodness of God. God has made himself available for us to be able to ask him, to be able to seek him, to be able to knock so that the door might be open to us. Is God required to do so? Absolutely not. God owes us nothing. But because he is good, because he is love, and because he wants to be in a loving relationship with us, he has initiated. He has given. He has given his own son so that you and I might live. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Dear friends, have you received this greatest gift known to man? Salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, I hope there's not a person in the room that only knows of God. But I pray that every person in the room truly has an intimate, working, deep relationship with our Creator. And the good news is, even though we messed up, even though we sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God so loved us even while we were still sinners that Christ Jesus died for us. And God is pursuing us. Look what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 there on the screen. On the, on the screen. Not only has God made himself available for us to be able to seek and ask and knock, but the Lord of the universe says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Oh, dear friends, don't get it wrong. Yeah, we pursue God, but ultimately God is pursuing us. God is knocking on the door of our heart saying, let me in. I want to come in to you. And in the King James, I want to sup with you. I want to dine with you. You let somebody in your home. You invite somebody into your home for dinner. You let them pass the, 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 the foyer, the greeting area. You let them pass the uh, kind of the seating area where you would have guests and you bring them into your kitchen. You bring them into your dining room. That's a big deal. I have a friend of mine, I don't know, about eight months ago or so, we invited him and his wife over for dinner, and they were like so surprised. He calls me, Cot John, Cot John, I, he's like, basically, I can't believe that you would have us over into your home and into your dining area to eat a meal. I said, man, we love you. Of course that's what we do. How much more our Father in heaven says he wants to come in to the deepest, most intimate place of our being. And he wants to dwell there in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we let him in, the Bible says in Romans 8, verses 16 through 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Friends, we become children of God. And if children, then heirs 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Friends, we have such a good heavenly father who has provided for us eternal life in his son, a wonderful, good heavenly father who has declared us his adopted sons and daughters, and he has declared per Romans 8, 17, that we are his heirs. We are co-heirs with his son. And all that the Father has lavished on His Son, on Jesus, He lavishes and will lavish on us for all eternity. Is that good news this morning? Is that good news? That's wonderful news. And Matthew 6.33 says, When we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... All these things will be added to you. Friends, when we are about God and his kingdom and his gospel and living as citizens within the kingdom, yielded and submitted to the king, he will take care of what we need. Amen? Anthony covered that last week. He will take care of the basic needs of man. Food, clothing, shelter. And I would just believe that most of us in this room have so much more than those three basic needs, as Anthony said last week. We are so blessed. The golden rule, beloved, is not a transaction. It is not a business deal. I do this for you. You do this for me. No, no, no. The golden rule is a response to the goodness of God. God who has lavished on us good gifts as a citizen of his kingdom, as his beloved children. We respond to his goodness by doing unto others what we would wish they do unto us. God has lavished his love upon us, his love that is unconditional, his love that is so self-sacrificial. And we are to do and extend the same type of love to others as a follower of Jesus Christ. It is who we are. It is who we are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Who have been infused with the love of God in our hearts. You may be here this morning. And you might say, Jonathan, there's a time where I have truly experienced the love of God in my life. And I believe his love that he has lavished on me has flowed freely from my life to be a blessing to others for the glory of God. But right now, I just don't feel it. Let's just be real. There may be some of us in this crowd of this size today that may just be a bit cold. I'm here to tell you, God is standing there with open arms, ready to take you back. And he understands. You say, what's your basis for that? Here's my scriptural basis. You remember Luke chapter 15, the parable of the two sons? Son number one, the elder son. Did he treat his father well? Did he, did he treat his father well? He comes to the fa- father angrily. What have you done? You, what are you doing? This wretched younger brother of mine, younger son of yours, disgraced you by asking for his inheritance before you died. 
and now he's come back. You're throwing him a party. You never threw me a party like this. You never killed the fattened calf for me. And the father says, but son, all that is mine is yours. It's always been available to you. Please come into the party. Let's celebrate. Your brother who was lost is now found. And the elder brother stiffs the father and would not go into the celebration. The younger brother basically says, Father, I don't care about you. I just want what you have, and I'm going to go off, and I'm going to squander it on foolish living. And that's what he did. And then he got to the end of himself there in the pig pen, and he's starving. He wanted to eat just the the pig food he wanted to eat because there was a famine in the land. And he works, he repents there. I think he got saved, if you want to call it, there in the pig pen. He sinned against my father in heaven, sinned against my earthly father, and he musters enough strength to walk back home, to go back home. And he says, Father, I'll just I'll be less than your hired hand. What's the father's response? The father's response, one to the elder brother, he he begs him to come into the party even though he had just disgraced him in front of the guests that had come. Secondly, the younger brother, as he's walking up the pathway to the home, the father sees him from a distance, sees him from afar. And the father, at that point, a man in that, in that period of time in antiquity would have wore a long robe that would have covered their bare legs in order for that father to have run and, and note the father was a man of dignity. He was a man of wealth in the community. He would have had to lift up his long robe in order to run. Well, that was a no-no. That would be a cultural faux pas because to lift up the robe mean he would bear his flesh. He would bear his leg, and you would not do that. But he doesn't care about bearing his, the flesh on his leg. Because he wants to get to his son where he can lavish him with his love. And he runs to the son and he embraces him. And the son's trying to, you know, that speech that he had prepared in the pig pen, he's trying to get it out. And the father basically just cuts him off and tells the servants, put a robe on him, put a signet ring, put a ring on his finger, put shoes on his feet, kill the fattened calf. This, my son who was lost is now found. That father in that parable is a picture of our heavenly father who is ready and willing to receive us at any time. Amen? Friends, that is the gospel. And you may be here today and you say, John, I've blown it, man. I mean, I I can't even think about doing the golden rule right now. I'm so far from God. God's waiting on you to come back. And he's ready to receive you. He's ready to embrace you. He's ready to lavish you with his love. You just come home. You come home. God loves us so much. He's such a good God. And when he lavishes us with his love, we're able to do what Jesus said in John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another is I have loved you. Because we have, because we are experiencing God's great love, God's great care, God's great concern for us, we, we then naturally want to extend such a love, such a care, such a concern for others by proactively doing good unto them. Not because we want to get something in return. Not because we want the pats on the back or the applause of man, but rather because we love and serve an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. But guess what happens, church, when we are responding to God's love, God's goodness in our life, when we are acting as a citizen of the kingdom in doing good and serving others to be a blessing to them, good 
He's done to us. And I want to show you that from Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. I'm going to read what Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. Again, Philippians 4, verses 15 through 20. Paul wrote this. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I do not believe that the Philippian church helped to finance Paul's ministry because they wanted to get something in return. A return on their investment. I don't believe that. I believe that the Philippian brothers and sisters partnered with Paul by financing his ministry so that the gospel, the gospel that had transformed their life when they were dead, the gospel came to them and they received it and they were brought to life and it had transformed them. It was transforming them. Therefore, they wanted to give. They wanted to make themselves available so that this gospel would be furthered in the Mediterranean world, within the Roman Empire there in the first century. They wanted to see the gospel advanced and they knew that the apostle Paul's life was about the advancement of the gospel Paul said next 2024 however I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace That gospel had transformed their lives. And they were genuinely committed to seeing its advancement to the glory of God. Paul saw their sincerity and he loved them dearly for their genuine commitment to the gospel and its advancement. And he expressed his thanksgiving to them in verses 3 through 8 of Philippians chapter 1. I want to read verse 8. Look what he says to them in his thanksgiving to them and his love for them because they were sold out for the gospel. He said, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. The Philippian believers gave because they had been given so. And Paul went on to say in verse 17 of Philippians 4, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What did Paul mean there? He wasn't seeking the money from them. He knew God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That God who had called him by his grace and made him an apostle for the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected on the third day. 
He knew God was going to provide. If it be through the Philippian believers or some other believers in another region. But Paul was seeking. Paul got so pumped up about the blessings that God was going to bestow upon the Philippian believers because of their commitment to the advancement of the gospel. Spiritual blessing and material blessing. And then he highlights it in verse 19. Because you are serving an audience of one for the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says to them, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This truth stands true today. Beloved, when you give your life for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will take care of you. And God will bring you to a deeper relationship with himself. And that is the truest blessing. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. We get more of him. When we spend our life for what matters the most. And that is is this gospel. A few weeks ago, I uh, was informed that one of my friends and a brother back in the U.S. had contributed to our ministry here in Indonesia. And I text him to say thank you. And he did go on to say, well, some go and some give. God has sent you to go to the other side of the world for the sake of the gospel. Jonathan, this is the least I can do. I can understand what Paul meant in verse 17 of this text on the screen. You know what got me so excited? is what God's going to do and keep doing in the life of our friends Joel and Melanie because they and their family are about the advancement of the gospel. Joel's not a preacher. He's not an evangelist. He doesn't even hold a position at the church. He's not a deacon. Works for a drug company. Melanie homeschools their children. But there is absolutely no doubt that their lives are about the advancement of the gospel. Melanie and a team of other brothers and sisters came over here a few years ago and we spread the gospel in an area in South Sumatra together. And on a beach in that area in South Sumatra, the last night we were there, we almost got into big trouble because we were sharing this gospel with these poor people who need to hear it. Even though they did not think it was good for them. And I can say that the Owen family, they are so blessed and they are so taken care of. 
And I believe that their life is just a response to the goodness of God that He has showered upon them. They realize their calling as a citizen of the kingdom. How about you? How about me right now, today? Our friends who took us into their home for a week, they said, they're so glad. They expressed to us several times during our stay with them how glad that we were there. And they had said, when the floods came, the beginning of this year, they wanted to be able to take others in who had been affected by the flood. We are so blessed. Our area is dry. We've been blessed with this home to be able to have multiple guests come and stay. We have been given so much. We want to give. And they had been praying. Once the floods hit, who can we serve? Who can we have in our home? And we were so blessed by being there. Our relationships got deeper. Sat up talking to the husband, the father, almost every night, talking about the Lord, sharing struggles, sharing victories. I've got a new friend and brother in the Lord. Our kids played together. They're just responding to the goodness of God, opening their home to us. Once again, how about you and me? If we are, if we're acting like that couple, if we're responding like our friends back in the state, praise the Lord, keep doing it. If you're not, might this word speak into you today and call you to get in the game? I've got some questions for personal reflection and practical application. If you want to jot them down or take a screenshot, go ahead. But I'd encourage you to take them home and meditate upon them. The first question is, how serious do you take Jesus' commands? How serious are you about knowing God's word in order to do God's will? Friends, the golden rule is important because Jesus said it. We covered that in length. And it is beneficial, it is wise of us to build our life on Jesus and his word. And in his word, we understand his will. And people ask me, how do I know God's will? You just read the Bible. It's here. Yeah, And as you do what's written between Genesis to Revelation, you'll know whether or not if you're supposed to take the job. You'll know whether or not if you're supposed to move. Amen? If you've experienced that. Just do what's there. Do that. And then the things that may be still in the dark right now, God will tell you in his time. Number two, in what specific ways has God been good to you in 2020? You say, but John, we're just a, a month and a half in. So what, man? If I was to write down all God's done in the past, you know, 45 days, it's going to take me a bit. He's so good. Think about it. Write it down. You know. If you're not keeping a mental list of all the good things that God's doing in your life, man, have a journal. Write down what God did for you today, what he did for your family, what he did for somebody you've been praying for. That'll keep the coals white hot for God inside of us. Thirdly, are you positively and proactively living out the golden rule as a response to God's goodness in your life? If you are, in what specific ways are you doing so? If you're not, what do you need to do so that you will? Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. It's not an easy one. We come up short a lot. I know I do. But we thank you that you're such a good father. You don't give up on us. Even when we sinned against you, while we were still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die and to be risen from the dead so that we could be saved from our sins and have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Lord, even as your children, we fall short every day. We don't respond to your goodness by doing good to others. Please forgive us. Help us to do better from this day forward. Help us to be more mindful of all the good things that you've done and are doing in our life. And that would propel us even more to get in the game, to serve others with the love of Jesus Christ in our actions, in our deeds, in our words. And it would propel us